Hey guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to recognize our incredibly generous sponsors, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, John Fallowich, Fallowich Construction Services, Jim Cover, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, and Building Omaha, a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. Thank you, one and all. You are true believers in workplace safety and health, and I appreciate you. All right, let's get into today's episode. It is Friday, August 12th, um, a beautiful day in Omaha, Nebraska, and likewise in Washington, D.C., I assume. Um, I'm really excited. We have a, uh, we have a great guest today, um, something I've been looking forward to for, I think, two or three weeks since we had the opportunity to schedule this. Uh, my guest this morning is a former OSHA colleague of mine, um, Andrew Levinson. Um, Andrew was the director of the Directorate of Standards and Guidance, which is a huge job. Um, from my perspective as a field guy, uh, the national office was this you know, incredibly imposing, uh, you know, up on the, up on the Mount type feature. And, um, but I had an opportunity to get out there a few times during the course of my career and it is an amazing place. They do incredibly important work. And, um, Andy has agreed to join us this morning. We are, we are promoting safe and sound week, which is really the culmination of a year long promotion, the safe and sound campaign. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first of all, Andy, thank you for being here. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure. It's great to be on the podcast. And I'm really happy to be able to talk to your listeners and viewers and um, you know, share some of the gospel on safe and sound and safety and health programs. This is this is really outstanding. Um, we did work together. It's interesting because I was with OSHA from 96 until 2013. And I believe you came into the agency about 2004. Beginning of 2004. And now you have ascended to, which is, a, you know, again, an incredibly important position. The director of a directorate is a big deal. It's a big job. Uh, so obviously our careers took different trajectories because I ended up as an AAD in Omaha before I departed OSHA. But um, I was wondering if you, if you wouldn't mind, would you talk a little bit about your safety and health journey, how you got to where you are now and how this started? Would you share a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and the journeys that people take are always really different and really interesting because you never know where you're going to wind up. So uh, let me start with I did undergrad at the University of Michigan. I know that we got a little uh, Wolverines Buckeyes thing going on, but that's uh, okay. That's okay. We can, we can still be friends. Uh, so after Michigan, I decided that I wanted to go into public health and I wound up going down to Emory. Uh, for a master's of public health. And in, in college, I had done a lot of English and literature and kind of traditional stuff, but I also did a ton of biology, chemistry, you know, up through physical chemistry, physics, uh, you know, calc and other stuff, and was looking to, to blend, um, you know, a lot of different things that I was interested in. So when I went to Emory, to the School of Public Health, which is, I got to say, a really wonderful place, you're kind of right at this corner where you're literally right next door to the Centers for Disease Control. You are literally right across the street from the American Cancer Society. Uh, and they had a lot of people who were not just academics, but were practitioners, you know, people who taught one class or two classes and the thing that they spent their day job doing in the real world. 
And that was one of the things that really attracted me. So, so I went to Emory and originally I was doing a dual degree in um, environmental and occupational health and in epidemiology, which is for those of you that don't know, it's kind of the association between exposures and outcomes. So when people say, you know, this thing causes cancer, that's what epidemiology helps you make that linkage. And what I discovered in the process of doing that was um, I did not want to be, um, you know, doing research all the time. That was not really the thing that excited me. And I had an industrial hygiene class taught by a guy who was, um, you know, one of the old, you know, hands at NIOSH who had done a lot of the on-site, you know, he did the health hazard evaluations all across the country and he taught the IH class and that really excited me. And so from there, while I was in grad school, I wound up working at Anheuser-Busch. They have a brewery in Cartersville, Georgia. And so I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, up at Anheuser-Busch and discovered that I really liked the applied work doing, um, you know, field, actual, in a facility, learning about stuff. What I also realized was at the end of, you know, my time there that I wanted something more and I really liked kind of the, the policy questions of how and why things are and what they should be rather than, than necessarily just, you know, following the rules, helping set them. And I wound up coming up to DC and I worked at the International Association of Firefighters, which is the Firefighters Labor Union doing emergency responder health and safety. So when you're talking about emergency responders putting their, their lives, their bodies on the line for people, you couldn't have a, a better group of people to represent. Um, and they have some really serious health and safety issues. And mm -hmm. so, you know, they take those issues really, uh, you know, they hold them really, uh, you know, in high priority for the organization. And so that was kind of my introduction to the world of DC and learning how and why things happen. And then eventually, you know, I was working a lot with OSHA and discovered that I really wanted to come work at OSHA and, and help, you know, make the regs, make things the way that, that I thought they should be. And so in 2004, I came to OSHA. I started working in the Directorate of Standards and Guidance, where I am now. I was in the Office of Biological Hazards, and I started working on respirator stuff and emergency responder stuff and some infectious disease stuff, and eventually kind of worked my way up to the spot that I am now. Uh, which is a, a really great place because we get to to do an awful lot of good work for a lot of people um, all across the country in a lot of industries. This is incredible. And and if I do say so, we have taken similar paths because as you were describing your journey, it was very similar to my experience. Um, you know, the biology chemistry background as an undergraduate, I was a, I was actually a literature minor. So I was a biology major, liter, literature minor, which I thought went well together, College of Arts and Sciences, went to graduate school and realized I didn't want to be a researcher. I, you know, I was working on a lab bench and, and found my way into industrial hygiene. I probably took that same class because when I was with the DOD, I spent a lot of time at NIOSH being trained. And so that same passion for industrial hygiene and for um, problem solving kind of emerged. And it, it sounds exactly like, well, not exactly, but very similar to the path you took. Um, and then the agency seems like the natural place to go. Um, you know, if you really want to make a difference, I think most safety and health practitioners want to be in the agency, be part of the agency. So uh, very exciting. And so um, can you talk a little bit about 
your directorate and the work that uh, Standards and Guidance does? Yeah, sure. So the Directorate of Standards and Guidance does kind of what it sounds like, right? We write standards, which is another fancy name for regulations. And we do guidance because the work of the technical work sometimes leads to, to regulations, but not that often. Most of the work that we do is actually on guidance, technical assistance, web pages, materials that you guys see um, on the OSHA webpage. And we're a directorate of about 85 people. We have um, people in 11 different offices that are broken up by hazard mostly. So we have an office of biological hazards. We have an office of chemical hazards, metals. We have another one for chemical hazards, non-metals. We have an office of engineering, safety, um, physical hazards. So those folks, for example, right now are working on all of our heat stress stuff. As much as I would love to hear more about standards and guidance, I think the work that you do is incredible. And I, I will say that uh, from the field perspective, what you guys have done with the heat awareness has been fantastic. We have had an incredibly difficult summer here in Nebraska, uh, as probably everywhere it sounds like. Uh, but the heat information, the focus, the emphasis has done a great job. Um, I see a lot of companies that have embraced the stuff that you're doing, uh, use, utilizing the information that you've provided, and and you know really taking it to heart. So thank you for doing that. That's been a tremendous effort. I'm sure that you guys were involved with um, COVID guidance. Um, I can't imagine what that had to be like. Um, what little experience I had with some of the campaigns that we did with within the agency, I just I just can't imagine what that would be like. But um, kudos for all the hard work that your folks have done. They've done some tremendous stuff. So thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's impressive. And so if you don't mind, could we talk a little bit about safe and sound week? Um, again, this is a, this is a, a year long campaign that actually culminates with this week of activities and collaboration. And would you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, safe and sound week and the safe and sound campaign is really all about helping businesses and in particular small businesses, but you know, we take people of, of all sizes, um, work on their safety and health program or their safety and health management system, think about their safety culture and really communicate to their workers about safety on a positive note, right? We don't need to wait until something bad happens and, and it's better when you can celebrate the successes, get people energized and excited and, you know, really the campaign is about just helping businesses wherever they are, take a step in the right direction on safety, do something to improve your management leadership, do something to get a little more worker participation, do something to find and fix more hazards. And so this week is set up, you know, around that sort of, um, you know, th that sort of celebration of what's going on in businesses and to show that you care about safety and health. Uh, that's really interesting because um, I was a, a facilitator. I was kind of a proponent of the VPP program while I was with the area office, uh, kind of the liaison to the VPP sites in Nebraska. And, you know, this safety and health program that you're referring to, the management system, is really the framework for VPP, but for everything that we do from a safety and health standpoint. Um, it, it, it's so important. And I think I think people sometimes start their efforts with compliance, with trying to develop programs that are 
directed to address specific regulatory issues. But this framework is so important to that success. I mean, it, it it's kind of the cornerstone for your culture, um, compliance, training, all of those information and communication. Would you talk just a little bit about the elements that you just mentioned? One of the things your website does really well is give some basic um, guidance on how these different elements can be implemented. Would you talk about, if I throw out an element, would you talk just briefly about uh, your perception of that? So if I start with management sure. leadership, you know, what what, what yeah. comes to mind? Yeah, yeah. So but before we get to that, let me give people, you know, just a, a quick bit. Sure. VPP and SHARP, our safety and health recognition program, are fabulous programs. I am a huge supporter of them. And it takes a lot of effort, right, for people, you know, for a business, for an organization to get to VPP or SHARP. Nobody ever starts at that level. They've got to all start somewhere. And not every business necessarily wants to get to that level. And so the Safe and Sound campaign is about meeting people wherever they are on their safety journey as an organization, finding the things that they do well and strengthening those and helping find the things that maybe they don't do so well and kind of lift those up. Um, and so, so all of the things that we're talking about are all part of this big continuum, right? You can get out and jog. That doesn't mean you have to necessarily become an Olympic athlete, you know, runner. Right. And so, but, but that going from sitting on the couch to, to going for a walk or jogging is still a step in the right direction that makes you a healthier person in the same way if you're a business or an organization that's doing nothing on safety, you know, nothing intentional, doing something is going to make you a better organization. And we just want to help, you know, organizations get up off the couch and start walking and start jogging. They don't necessarily, you know, have to run the full marathon of VPP or Sharp. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, when you get into VPP and Sharp and you look at ANSI and ISO standards, they talk about safety and health management systems, right? And management systems are a scary term for a lot of small businesses that don't necessarily know what a management system is, and they're pretty sure they don't want one. <laughs> and a safety and health program is just a, a kinder, gentler phrase that really means the same thing, right? But without necessarily all, all of the baggage of having a management system. When we set up VPP and Sharp, right, they're aligned with more complicated systems for organizations that are prepared to do more. When we set up Safe and Sound, we looked across all of the different approaches to safety and health management and really came down to these three core elements that apply everywhere, right? And that's the management leadership, the worker participation, um, and, you know, systematic approach to find and fix hazards. Mm -hmm. So to circle back to your question, you know, what does management leadership mean, right? Management leadership at the lowest level is just simply, I care about my employees. I don't want them to get hurt. And I'm prepared to do something to make sure that they go home safe and sound at the end of each workday to their families. Love it. Right. And just starting with that, I care about my people. I have a responsibility as a business owner, as a leader, as a manager to make sure that my people go home. That's the, the core value of what management leadership is. Now, as your organization gets more mature on safety and does more, right, you're going to grow what management leadership means. So that could then at the next level mean, all right, I'm going to put some money where my mouth is and I'm going to provide some training for my people. Or maybe I'm going to bring in OSHA consultation, right, which is a free on-site consultation, doesn't cost a nickel. They'll come in in a non-enforcement context 
and help your business look at what it's doing well and what it needs to improve on. Or maybe you want to hire a consultant, right? Or maybe you want to say, okay, I'm going to make somebody, you know, a part-time safety person, right? Maybe you had nobody who was focused on safety and now it's maybe a quarter or a half of somebody's job, right? Or I'm going to send somebody to an ed center, an education center, you know, that's connected to the OSHA Training Institute to take some classes to learn some stuff, right? And then as you continue that management leadership journey and you get more mature and you have more capability and your organization continues to grow, okay, now that means maybe I'm putting safety as part of my manager's, um, you know, performance reviews so that I'm going to make sure that they're taking care of safety, that I'm setting up the systems and the processes to make sure that we're looking at things proactively as we're planning jobs, safety is a factor in all of the work that we're doing. And it's built into all of the different things that we do. But you don't end or you don't start at that end point, right? You've got to start somewhere just saying, I care about my employees and I'm going to do something to protect them. I completely agree. That is a great analogy. And I agree with everything you just said. I think that, you know, the, the VPP and the SHARP programs are outstanding. And I really embraced those. And I still do. But they're intimidating, and for companies that may not be ready for that, which is the vast majority of companies, just finding a way to start. And I think your I think your comment about the leadership piece is really outstanding because uh, so many employers that I encounter want to do something. They do value their employees. They they do want their the best for their employees, and they have no idea where to start. And so, just you know, the analogy of sitting on the couch to standing to walking to maybe jogging is really good because everybody is at a different place. And the next step is the important step, just taking that next step, whatever that is. And um, that, that is really outstanding. And I think every company, every company should have some type of safety and health program, uh, every company. And there are so many things that you can do to engage employees to demonstrate leadership to start your journey um and I, I know the website that you guys have put together provides a lot of guidance on this can you talk a little bit about the resources that you have provided yeah absolutely so um you know we've got resources broken down by each of those three core elements of management leadership worker participation find and fix um you know hazards the things that you'll find on the website are very often kind of the starting pieces of how do you begin that journey? How do you take those first steps? We're actually in the process right now of building out a full step-by-step -step guide of how do you run a marathon one step at a time mm -hmm. to help people do all of these different things. And what you'll find is a lot of different types of resources. So for example, one of the things that we have on the, re on the website is how do you have safety conversations, right? It's built on some of the, you know, kind of the concepts that you'll see in crucial conversations or other sorts of guides about having difficult conversations, because a lot of times the way that people, that managers talk to workers or that workers talk to managers, it's not the most effective way to share what's going on and why things are mm -hmm. important and get to some of the root cause and do it in a way that people feel safe raising their concerns, right? Because people may have concerns and if they don't feel safe, raising, they feel like they're going to get punished, they're going to be given bad assignments, they're going to lose work hours, maybe even, you know, get fired. Uh, you know, they're not going to tell you what's going on. And so that important piece about having conversations is, is a great piece. How do you do a safety walk around? 
if you're a manager, right. Right? if you're a frontline manager, if you're a, a plant manager or a business owner. Um, we've got some other stuff on there. One of the, the really great things that people can start with is we have a what safety means to me exercise, mm. where basically you just explain why you care about safety. And for a lot of people, it's very personal. Maybe, you know, one of their parents was injured on the job and they saw the, you know, the repercussions for the family. Maybe they're worried about, you know, being able to go home and pick up their kid, you know, the, you know that they aren't injured right. and blow out their back or that mm-hmm. their knees are okay and they're going to be able to, you know, get down in the dirt and garden or swing a golf club or whatever it is, you know, you do for fun. Or maybe, you know, you're concerned about hearing loss and you want to be able to hear your grandchild, right. you know, laugh. Um, you know, so, but, but sharing what that means and why safety is important is really a great step for connecting around. We have values that I think most people share, and that's a great starting point to then build the bridge to what are we going to do about it. That's incredible. And I love the fact that you're personalizing it, I think, and getting the conversation started is so important. I think people oftentimes assume this is more difficult than it truly is getting started. Some of the things that you've suggested are, you know, every, everyone is capable of doing those things if they will take the time to do it and just ask and engage and, and um, you know, sincerely listen, I think, you know, actively listen to their employees and some of those concerns and some of those um, challenges. Um, I think that is really fantastic. Um, and I have to, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I have to compliment you. You speak like um, a field person, <laughs> so, which is intended to be a compliment because yeah. your your breadth of understanding of these things is is really impressive. I I have to admit to having dealt with some DC folks that that I didn't I don't think actually connected to the real world, but the way you're describing this stuff is is really on point. It's fantastic, and everybody should be able to start this process. And I think that's the point of Safe and Sound Week is to perhaps go out and engage people that may not have otherwise felt they could do this or or, or felt that they, um, you know, this was within their capabilities. So I love the fact that you are just making it easy to get started, which is which is the biggest step. Yeah, it, you know, thank you. And And one of the things that we always talk about is real people in the real world need to be able to do this. And I don't want to talk about theory and I don't want to talk about process. All the things that we have in safe and sound are things that you can do. And if we can't tell you how to do it, then it's not something that we want to have as part of safe and sound. Right. Um, let, let me give you a, another example because we haven't really talked about finding and fixing hazards. And one of the easiest ways to get started is simply to ask your people, what are they afraid of? What are the near misses that they've had, right? What's the thing that keeps them up at night? Um, and, and they'll tell you, right? And that's the easiest way to identify the things in the workplace that they're worried about. The other really easy way is go look at your OSHA 300 log or your work comp records and just look at how people have been hurt before, right? If people have been hurt by that before, they're likely to get hurt by it again. Mm-hmm. There's a whole other approach where you can start looking for fatalities and serious injuries, right? And playing the what's the worst thing that could happen, mm-hmm. you know, game. And those are great things to do later. But there's low-hanging fruit that you get. And one of the reasons that we have that worker participation piece 
is because the workers are the ones on the front lines doing the jobs. They know what's going on. They know how they're going to get hurt. And if you just ask them in a way where they feel like they're a partner in the process, that's the easiest way to unravel the finding and fixing hazards, preventing injuries, saving money, you know, all of those things, those good things that come from an effective safety and health program. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. And um, I compl- again, <clears throat> we're on the same page here. I completely agree with that. I think that, you know, for so long we had kind of envisioned workers as the problem. You know, if I could only get them to behave the way that I want them to behave. But, but I think when employers <clears throat> take the time to actually ask employees, as you said, what they're afraid of or what are the challenges or what are their frustrations out in the work environment, um, in a meaningful way, and then in, in and find ways to try to address some of those things, you know, that builds the relationship that leads to trust, that leads to just vast improvement. And, and once that gets started, I think it gains so much inertia that I think employers and employees alike will just be amazed at how, how, how much progress they can make just by doing those, those simple things. I think that sometimes it's, um, we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Absolutely. There's a lot of safety and health management that is really simple. And it really comes down to number one, showing that you care. Number two, having that trusting relationship with the workers. And then number three, just being curious, Mm -hmm. right? Being curious about what's going on. Why do you do it that way? Right. And it could be, Hey, this is the way that I was trained or this, or I wasn't trained and this is the way everybody's always done it. It could be, yeah, I know the policy and procedure says do it this way, but I'm constantly getting yelled at for production numbers, and it's actually faster to do it this other way, right? Or it could be, you know, I asked to get something, you know, a piece of machinery fixed or something, and nobody ever, you know, repaired that machinery. And so this is the only way I have to do my job. Right. And that process of just getting curious about what's going on and why is it that way, right, is a big piece of identifying what's going on, the root causes, and then figuring out you know, how do I fix it? Right. This is a concept that I've been reading about recently. I've, um, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years and I've just started reinventing myself a little bit. I've been doing a lot of reading and this concept of work is imagined versus work is done. And, you know, oftentimes owners and executives have some, they have a belief of how the work is being done, but until you go out under the floor or out into the job site, and as you said, curiously engage the employees about how they actually do the work and why they do it that way. And, you know, most of these workers will adapt to the work environment that we've given them so that they can be as safe as possible under the conditions that we've provided. And they, they develop procedures and approaches to their work that are efficient and um, effective and hopefully as safe as possible. We need to understand that so that we can either utilize what they've come up with or, you know, make slight corrections as necessary. But, you know, that I think this this communication piece, um, I think, you know, managers, leaders in our organizations need to be asking those questions. I think. Yeah. You know, the the concept that you raised of work as as imagined versus work as it it actually happens was something that was very important to Paul O'Neill when he was running Alcoa. And I think a lot of people in the safety profession know what Paul O'Neill did at Alcoa. And one of his approaches was safety is the canary in the coal mine for whether or not our organization, our business is doing what it intended to do. 
And when you have those near misses, when you have those failures that lead to an injury or an illness, that's a sign that our systems and our processes that we imagined are actually not working. And so he actually drove a lot of the organizational performance using safety. Right? The other the other core concept when people are looking um, to try and figure out what's the cost-benefit analysis, what's the return on investment for safety, all you have to do is look at what did we intend to do today from production perspective? And then what happens if somebody gets hurt, right? What happens if I shut down a production line? What happens if I shut down a construction job site for a day because somebody got seriously hurt? And you think about the lost productivity that comes from that because we imagine that we were going to be producing a thousand widgets or we imagine that we were going to be building, you know, these walls and putting up structural steel or whatever. And that stuff didn't happen because something somewhere along the way, we had a failure in our policies and procedures, our training, right? And so that gap between what you intended to do and what actually happened is a really great indicator of whether or not your organization is, you know, is maximizing its potential. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, Fascinating, fascinating stuff. And you have collaborated with a number of big organizations, um, AIHA, for example, ASSP. There are a number of them, NIOSH, you know, the list goes on, and all of them are listed on the website. Um, The week itself, so Safe Safe and Sound Week is next week. I believe it's, what, the 15th through the 21st of August, if I'm not mistaken. And there, there will be activities all over the country, every state. It, you know, has a number of participants, a number of registered participants or folks that perhaps have not registered but are doing different things. What types of things are going to be happening next week? Yeah. So next week, we ask businesses to do something that's meaningful for them. We don't have a set, you've got to do X, Y, or Z. We give a bunch of suggestions on what people can do. We want people to make it fun. We want them to make it engaging. We want them to make it worthwhile. Um, So maybe it's, you know, if you've never done anything, maybe it's have the managers or the business owner or the, you know, the CEO say something about, you know, what they care, why they care about safety and make a commitment to do something. Uh, Maybe if that's what safety means to me exercise. And at a team level, you get together with the people you work with and share why safety is important to you. We've also had people come up with their own stuff. So we had, you know, some people do a PPE fashion show mm-hmm. and use that as a training opportunity, right. In a really fun way with music and the catwalk, you know, and all of that stuff, but it was an opportunity to show the right way to wear PPE and all of the, you know, the different selections that they might have depending on the, the jobs that they were doing. And they had, you know, they had fun with that. We've had people do scavenger hunts. So go find, you know, the first aid kit, go find the eyewash station Go find where the safety data sheets are stored, right? Go find, you know, whatever other things that, you know, go find, you know, certain PPE, you know, whatever it is in your business that may somehow be tied to safety, you can do that. We've had other people where they've done a really fun, you know, kind of job swap and they had people in different departments switch jobs and do essentially a job hazard analysis. Let me go look at what you're doing with a fresh set of eyes and ask you some questions about maybe some things that I see that look a little hazardous to me. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing to protect yourself from those? And it both helps people in the organization talk to each other and learn about other things that are going on, but it also gives you that, that fresh set of eyes. So whatever is meaningful and fun for your organization, that's the sort of thing 
um, you know, that we want you to do. We've also seen businesses use Safe and Sound Week in their activities as an opportunity to take some pictures, put some stuff on their web page, on their social media thread. You know, and again, this is an opportunity to celebrate an organization's commitment to safety, doing something positive. And one of the things that happens is when we see some really good, you know, images and stories on, um, you know, Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that, sometimes we retweet those. And so you can get a shout out from OSHA or National Safety Council or NIOSH or AIHA or ASSP. So there's a lot of different, you know, ways to celebrate. That's fantastic. Uh, those are great ideas. And I love, I have been um, involved with companies that, that, literally celebrate safety and and they and engage in fun uh meaningful ways and others that have always kind of addressed it with uh, some drudgery or you know and i think some of the things that you just mentioned uh, i think there can be a lot of fun had during the week of celebration um we have a few companies here in omaha that i noticed on the website are participants and they have big, fun weeks planned, you know, activities that you've described, and they will do games, and they'll do different engagement uh, activities, things like that. And um, they always look forward to it. It's always a lot of fun. I get to participate in some of those from time to time. It's really an opportunity everybody should take advantage of. I know that if you go onto the website, there is an opportunity to register, to, to actually register and um, convey some of the your activities uh, to the agency so that they will recognize you with some type of a, a certificate or something uh, at the end of the week, perhaps. And I know companies that may not be comfortable with that uh, can do this privately. They don't have to uh, acknowledge that they're participating, but um, it is kind of nice that the agency does that recognition for companies that are willing to, to register. Yeah. So, you know, one of the first things is um, there are a lot of businesses that are proud of their safety work and, and, registering in advance and getting your name on the map so that people can see, um, you know, for those businesses, that's a great thing. We are very happy to show businesses that are trying to do the right thing, right? We don't want OSHA to just be, you know, press releases on the organizations that are getting penalties and citations and doing the bad stuff. There are an awful lot of really good companies that care about the safety of their employees, and we're trying to do more to celebrate those successes. If you're not comfortable putting your name on the map. When you register, you don't have to. There's a, a click box option. And if you don't want to register in advance and you want to come back at the end and just get a certificate and we have a virtual challenge coin and that kind of stuff, you get a, a letter from the um, assistant secretary, the head of OSHA. If you want to do that, great. If you want to just do it and not tell us about it because you're afraid of having any inter interaction with OSHA, that's okay too. What we care about is just that, you know, the business is doing something to take a step in the right direction. Incredible. Um, you know, and, and let me circle back to, you know, you mentioned the partners. Um, we are co-leading this effort with all of the major safety and health professional organizations, CPWR, VPP uh, Association, National Safety Council, NIOSH, um, AIHA, ASSP. But we've also got about 225 or 30 other organizations that have signed on as partners. And I think if you go through the list, you'll find an awful lot of people that don't necessarily like any of the regulatory and enforcement stuff that OSHA does. And even if they don't like most of the stuff that OSHA does, they can still get behind the notion of management, leadership, worker participation, find and fix hazards, and take a step in the right direction. 
And so, you know, even if OSHA is a four letter word to you, um, this is the sort of thing that we think every organization can get behind because it's a positive, proactive thing. There's no regulatory and enforcement aspect to it. Share with us if you want to. Don't share with us if you, you don't want to. Um, you know, we just want to help move everybody in the right direction to better safety culture and safety management. I would agree. I think this is that common ground that we all agree upon. Um, enforcement fans or not, this is something that everybody can get behind. I think everybody should participate. Uh, you know, I hope we, this this will go out to about ten or 12,000 folks uh, this afternoon, and I hope everybody that listens takes the opportunity to go to the website and check out. It's www.osha.gov, and I think maybe backslash safe and sound week or something to that effect. You'll find it. If you go look, um, find a way to participate in some fashion. I think I am a true believer that this is the way to move forward with workplace safety and health. I'm so impressed by the the campaign and the promotion, the work that you guys are doing. Um, I'm grateful because it makes my life easier when this stuff is available uh, to all the employers, all of the companies that I work with, and certainly all of the others here in Nebraska and throughout the country. Um, any any parting thoughts that like you'd like to share before we wrap up and uh, get started? Yeah. So even though Safe and Sound Week is next week, we're also really flexible. So if you are getting this podcast on Friday afternoon and you can't pull off something next week, that's okay. Do something the week after or do something later in August. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just do something that takes a step in the right direction. The other thing that I would say is we've got a listserv with about 100,000 people on it that comes with a monthly newsletter that has links to all kinds of resources from the Safe and Sound campaign. Um, we're also doing a little co-programming right now with our heat awareness campaign. And so if you have not signed up for that, let me encourage you to go to the website. It's different than the OSHA Quick Takes newsletter. Nice. Right, so there's a lot more technical content and focused on safety management and now with this added focus on heat. Um, but I encourage you to go and sign up for that, and it will give you some ideas of things you can do throughout the entire year to help make safety you know, more effective in your organization. And so this is something that we can get to on the homepage? We go to the OSHA homepage and we would find access to yeah, this if link? To, if, if you go to the Safe and Sound webpage, okay. so easiest way is just go to – you know, OSHA.gov, I think it's forward slash safe and sound. If not, it's in the A to Z index at the very top, and you just click on S. You go to the S for safe and sound, and you'll find links to sign up for the newsletter there as well. Fantastic. Oh, my, you guys are doing great stuff, man. I, As a fan of the compliance assistance side of OSHA, um, this type of thing really excites me, and th- this, this information is fantastic. Um, I know you're an incredibly busy guy. But thank you for taking the time to join us and to and to just to introduce the safe and sound campaign concept, everyone, and and even describe safety and health programs. Um, I I love the idea of start wherever you are. Uh, it can be intimidating if you have not formally started, but I think you've given people an idea how to take those first baby steps and get get moving. And once you get moving, the inertia will carry you through this. Um, and I would like to also say. I love the fact that you mentioned Paul O'Neill. I love Paul O'Neill. Uh, his um, YouTube videos are a required watch for all of my all of the companies that I work with. It's just just fantastic stuff. Um, 
really, this is a lot to, lot to think about. And, but I think just take the first step, get started, visit the webpage, sign up for that newsletter, which I'm going to go do right now. In fact, and, um, yeah, don't make excuses. I think, I think it's easy to get started. I think everyone wants and needs to do this and, um, you don't have any excuses now. So Andy, thank you to you and your team, Pamela, for helping set this up. Um, I, I, I sincerely appreciate it. And, um, I uh, hope maybe we can do it again at some point. The work that you guys do is really important. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. And thank you to you and all your listeners who I know are doing stuff on safety each and every day. They are. They're true believers. They're out there doing the right thing. So I think uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, there, there's a lot of information here. Um, but have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening. And take this to heart. This is really important stuff. Let's get started if we have not done so. Andy, thank you very much. Um, in spite of this Ohio State-Michigan thing, I think we're going to be friends, man. So I, I appreciate what you're doing. Well, we had a good year last year, so I'm good. I'm <laughs> good. We'll see. We'll talk in November. You did have a good year. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I hope you have a great weekend. Um, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, bye-bye. Huda Media Production.